everybody, and welcome to episode 41 of West New York Brews. My name is Scott. I'm a home brewer just outside of Buffalo, New York. This podcast is all about talking Buffalo beer, making Buffalo beer, drinking Buffalo beer, adding to the conversation as best I can, and being a better brewer. And this episode hits that last one. I'm being a better brewer. Um, I'm joined by Bill Sarowski of the Das House Brewers uh, von Buffalo. He is on uh, the previous episode as well with the Brunology guys. He is a registered beer judge, and he came down into my basement studio here to talk about getting your first metal. So not just taking whatever beer you have on the shelf and, and putting it into the competition and seeing how it does, which is exactly what I did this year. I brewed... I brewed a beer and and put it in and it oxidized a little bit and you can see that in the um in the the notes and I was I was happy to get those notes back uh there were there were notes of oxidation I used my beer gun I obviously didn't use it correctly or uh next year I'll just I'll try something different but that happened that's what happened so next year we're going to brew well and do well at the competitions and Bill gives you some tips in this episode on how to do just that. And uh, spoiler alert, a lot of it comes down to planning, as as you would probably imagine. So let's get right into this interview with Bill Sarowski. Just before we do, uh, if if you're interested in Pivo Grojeski, last Easter, uh, Bill was also on talking about his Pivo Grojeski um, recipe, which I don't think he brewed this year. But is phenomenal. It, I've got some pictures up on WNYBrews.com uh, on that episode from last year. So look for that one, too. And here is the interview with Bill. I will see you at the end. Thank you. Basically, when it comes to competitions, uh, what, what I have in mind talking about this evening is, is more about, um, you know, everybody, we always encourage people to enter beers into competitions. You want yeah. good feedback on your beers. It's a great way for people to get feedback on your beers. So let's say you've gone beyond a little bit and now you've been in the competitions and now you're you're just hungry for your first medal or you're hungry for <laughs> numerous medal. You're All becoming right. you're becoming a metal whore is was what I've heard it called before. Right. And you just want to get into it. Um, there are some 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 more tips and tricks that, that are very helpful when it comes to um, when it comes to just going a little above and beyond wanting feedback and wanting to get that first medal out. Right. That's a really good point, because part of it, you want somebody who knows what they're talking about to tell you what's wrong with your beer or what's right with your beer. But there is this competition aspect and you want to be able to say that you have this is a, a gold medal beer. This is a this is a best in show right here. I would be lying to say that I'm not looking at the rankings to see if I made it into the top three. And and, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about a little bit today, because there are some some tips and tricks. And you you asked me about this year's competition. Yep, this year's uh, competition. uh, And I'll say last year, AWOG, um, I did not get any I did not get any medals from last year's AWOG. And uh, one, one of the first tips. One of the first tips and tricks here to talk about is is why that happened. And um, one of the things with competitions <laughs> is you you kind of need to be thinking about them throughout the year. You have to brew for, in my opinion, you have to brew for a competition. 
you have to dedicate a few of your beers that you're going to brew for competition reasons. Uh, what I did last year was um, competition season came around and it just so happened I did not brew anything specifically for competition. I just entered what I had on hand at the time of what was fresh at the competition. <laughs> You're describing what I'm doing this year. Continue. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, I'm sure we can all account for doing that, you know, one time or another. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, this year I, I decided to step the game up a little bit and, um, you know, that's exactly what I did. So I, I got to say the last four or five beers that I brewed, um, they were all probably meant to hit some style, not so much a, a recipe I just wanted to make for myself because I enjoy drinking the beer, but it was more of some recipes I either put together or have I, you know, worked on or I've researched and, and found recipes somewhere that I knew that were going to hit more uh, style guidelines, which which is is what you're really aiming for uh, when it comes to entering your beers in a competition. So it's, it's really not about the beer that you think tastes good. It's about, it's really about how well can you take a beer and, and put it in a certain guideline. And that, that, that's what the BJCP competitions are all about. That makes sense to, to think about what's coming up to make sure that you have something and then to try to keep it as in style as possible and not necessarily what you're looking for. And then that, that's a great example because I, I tasted his beer and um, it is Janice Brown is a delicious beer. He did a very good job brewing that beer, but. But it's not a brown ale. No, if you not, any, not in the nope. BJCP guidelines, it's not a brown ale. No. Nope. And if you were to enter that in as a brown ale, I don't think it would score very well, yeah. even though you would probably get some great feedback on it. <clears throat> yeah. But. By rights, it's just not fair to the other people entering the competition who were aiming for the exact style guideline. Um, you know, basically, it would not score well, but I would certainly give that very good feedback. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. But I do not bottle anymore. And, and of course, we have to enter them as bottles. So this year, you are entering. Yes. The bottles that you're entering, how, how did you uh, get them into a bottle? It depends what I brewed. One of the things uh, when brewing for competitions, uh, there's some beers you want to plan out a little early. Um, yeah. I'll be entering a, um, a Russian Imperial Stout this year. Uh, of right. course, that's a beer you want to age. Uh, you want to let it uh, sit in a bottle or for a while. So this beer, basically, I had brewed this beer uh, right around last year, around competition times to give it plenty of time. And uh, I specifically had competition in mind for this beer, which is exactly why I brewed it. A beer like that, that's going to sit around a while. I'm going to want to, um, I'm going to want to naturally carbonate that. I'm going to want to bottle that beer and I'm just going to want to let it sit in a cellar and age very nicely. It's not really going to pick up a lot of oxygen or anything. So it should be, uh, you know, that that's just the kind of beer when you when you bottle it like that, the longer it's going to sit, the better it's going to age, the better yeah. it's going to get as time goes on. Other beers on the complete other end of the spectrum would be, um, you know, like a wit beer, or wheat beer or pale ales or IPAs. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the beers <clears throat> you want to plan so that you're getting them in a competition about as fresh as they can be. 
because uh, right. as, as you know, a lot of us know, your hop flavors, your hop aromas are going to fade as as time goes on and as the beer sits. But uh, for bottling, you know, I, I I do a lot of I still do a lot of keg fill. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the things that I like to do when I when I fill the beers from uh, from a keg. I prefer the, I have a Blickman beer gun. Yeah. Uh, so for competition, I don't even cut corners on that because I, I, I've tried it once or twice in the past where I, I would not hook the Blickman beer gun to a CO2 tank and I would just use the gun just to fill the bottles. And, okay. So you um, wouldn't purge it first. I would not purge it of oxygen, but, yeah. um, I, one of the, one of the things I generally do too, is I fill enough bottles so that when competition season comes around, when it's about the time for judging, that's when I like to also crack open some of the extra bottles that I filled up to see how they held out over the period of time to see. And that's where taking notes and, you know, you always hear home brewers should take good notes. Right. Uh, and that's where the taking note thing comes in because <clears throat> you'll know. And I've had early on, I've had some inconsistencies with the keg fills, which is why I typically prefer if I really, really, really wanted to do well in a competition, I would probably natural carbonate my beer. Yeah. You know, I would probably bottle it and I would probably carbonate it that way. Um, I've experienced some inconsistencies with the with the keg fills. Um, mostly the inconsistencies are a loss of carbonation. OK, like you'd pop a beer open and it was a lot more flat than it needs to be. Uh, one of the things I do to uh, help that matter out, though, is um, I'll pick a day for bottling. Yeah. I'll turn the, the pressure up on the CO2, uh, maybe two or three PSI normally than my my serving pressure. So I'll I'll increase that carbonation a little higher than it needs to be. Okay. I'll bottle with that. That way, if you do lose just a little bit from the transfer from the keg to the bottle, right, you're still holding out. That has been working pretty well for me. And then all the other things that Blickman suggests, like keeping the bottles cool. I've seen people keep their beer gun and the the uh, hose and the tubing in the refrigerator or in the freezer uh, and then freezing the bottles and keeping everything as cold as you possibly can and still bumping up the PSI is probably a really good idea. Uh, capping on foam. What else have I seen? Uh, from uh, capping on foam is definitely a good one. Um, one of the things I like to do with the Blickman, uh, Blickman beer gun is, you know, of course, if you're using it properly, you're going to purge, you're going to, you're going to purge your bottle out a little bit. You're yeah. going to start to fill. Uh, once you get to the top and you pull the wand out, actually at the very top, uh, I will hold the end of the wand just above the beer line, but not out of the bottle. And I'll actually give it another blast of CO2 right there just to try and pop out maybe any oxygen that might be sitting All right. on top there as well. And then just immediately throw a cap on top of it. Do you do it with somebody else? Do you have somebody to do it with you? No, I'm <laughs> always doing it myself. All right. Yes. Throwing it down and then grabbing the capper. And I've had many accidents. Yes. All right. When it comes to bottling too, if I can add what they say about first impressions is everything uh, that really holds true for your beer competitions too. So you guys, when you're, when you're bottling your beers out there, whether you're doing uh, natural carbonation, whether you're doing uh, keg fills, um, just, just pay good attention to how much you're filling your bottle up to. Um, mm-hmm. Basically when you, when you're, when you're judging, 
Um, the steward will come by and he will hold the bottle before he opens the bottle. He will hold it in front of the judges. So the judges are inspecting your bottle before it even starts. Mm-hmm. So you're one or one of the thing, couple of things you're looking at is how high or how low, uh, is, is the fill of the bottle. And you're looking for just about that. Uh, you say about one or two fingers, I, I yeah. think is what they look for. Um, so if you, if you're just kind of, I'll say half-assing your bottle fills, um, I, I don't really recommend it because that first impression is everything. Um, even even when you're done bottling and capping, wipe the outside of your bottle off. Get rid of all the the dirty spots and stuff. You know, just make it look clean as preventable uh, presentable as as you possibly can because. You know, it, it's just when you see a bottle that comes in and and the bottle fill is very low and maybe the bottle's dirty, it's got a lot of water spots on the outside. You, the, the first thing that comes in the judge's mind is, well, okay, now I have to drink this. And, yeah. um, you know, these first impressions really, really do mean a lot. And it, it's a very little tip, but... Um, you know, it's it just, you're starting the judge's mind on your beer and, um, a nice clean bottle with a proper full can, uh, with a proper fill can really go a long way. That makes sense. And, um, and a bunch of judges, they're going to try not to let that affect them, but of course it's going to affect them. And it does. It re- really does. <clears throat> All right. So we're bringing our, our beers. Uh, if you're in West New York and you're, you're in AWOL, you're probably just dropping it off. But otherwise, if you're going for one of the other uh, competitions, even in the Northeast, even even a local one, you're going to have to ship it. Uh, have you ever sh- you've shipped beer to competitions before? I have shipped. I've, I've sent beers. Uh, I've, I have entered beers in the nationals before. And when you're doing that, what have you done to make sure that it's made it there successfully? Um, you know, you, you want to, one of the things I've, and I, and I've heard this before, I've, I've never been on the receiving end of the shipping, yeah. but I've heard that some people can really overdo the packaging too, where yeah. it may, yeah, where it may take an hour and, uh, uh, a machete to, to <laughs> you know, to get one beer out of the packaging, you know, and people will wrap it with duct tape, elect, you know, and every tape they have on hand and bubble wrap and they'll just tie the heck out of it. But I mean, you, you just got to use your common sense. Um, I like to put the bottles, um, you know, I don't like any bottles touching one another. I like a yep. little, at least the one little layer of bubble wrap in between the bottles. I like to keep the bottles away from the edges of the box. Um, I always take a, a garbage bag and I'll line the inside of the box with the garbage bag and I'll take every bottle, every individual bottle, and also put it in its own Ziploc baggie. So if idea. there is an accident... You're not getting in any kind of trouble. You don't feel bad because you just, you know, you got beer leaking all over the UP, you know, the, the FedEx truck or, you know, whoever shipped your beer. Yeah. And then that's really just common sense. Don't let the glass touch each other. Uh, keep the glass. Use a little bit of a bigger box than you would think. Leave the beers, you know, enough room. So you got some padding between the walls and the edge of the box. So when they just kind of throw your, you know, I mean, you know, they're not taking a lot of care to ship yeah. your box and they're throwing other boxes on top of it. You don't want anything hard that's, you know, you want a little bit of a, of a cushion there. And, and that's, that's basically all I do. So each, excuse me, each bottle will get wrapped in maybe just one single layer of, of a bubble wrap. Yeah. And I'll use whatever kind of 
box stuffing I have around, usually not peanuts. I know nobody likes peanuts, <laughs> um, right. but I'll save stuff from work. Uh, the bigger, what are the, the bigger pillow type, um, you know, yeah, we all, we all ones. get those boxes from Amazon now and you get the bigger pillows. Yeah. Um, I save all those just for, just for shipping beers and, and <laughs> they, they work very well. They work very well. That's a good point too, is you don't want to, you don't want to break the bank when you're shipping stuff, but you also don't want to skimp too much so that you're trying to squeeze things into a box and they're going to break on the way there. You want to make sure you have ample space. And other than that, you, you just can't, you just got to kind of take it all with a grain of salt because you know, they're going to handle your beer. It's going to get shaken up. It's, it may sit in the heat. It may sit in the cold. You don't know what's going to happen with yeah. it. So when that beer lands to its destination, uh, um, I mean, actually what I like to do, they always say you want to turn your beers in late, like closer to the deadline, because yeah, they always want. say you don't know what medium your beer is going to be sitting in. You know, if you can control it, the more you can control it yourself, the better off you are. Yeah, so if, makes you sense. Know, if, if you're storing your beer well at home, wait till the last minute to turn it into your local competition. But I think the opposite comes with the, um, with the shipping your beer out. I like to get it out sooner uh-huh. and then wherever it sits, I'm just happy that it's sitting you know, that it's just maybe it's not at the optimum temperature, but I just like the idea that, OK, this beer just went. It got all shooken up. It got banged up. It just now I'll just let it get somewhere. And I like to just I like the idea that, you know, it may not be at your optimal temperature, but yeah. just let it sit and relax. So, you know, so you're not shake. It's not all shaken up at the very end there. You know, you're, you're giving it time for, for things to settle out. And I just I just feel better that way. So I know I'm springing this question on you now. Is there a style that you think is a better style for competitions? Because, for example, I assume IPAs, there's a lot of IPAs coming in. Or I assume like Flanders Red, there's very few Flanders Red coming in. Uh, but it's it's a very different style of beer where you have to sour one of them and you don't have to sour the other. When it comes to competitions... For the person who's trying to go for the medal, what do you think? Do you go for the one with a lot of competition, uh, but maybe you have more experience in it? Or do you go for the one with no competition? If you're trying to <laughs> bring home your first medal. Yeah. This is your first medal. Um, yeah. Stay away from the very popular styles, honestly. Um, AWOG last year, IPAs were were flooded. I, I think when we judged... We had three separate flights doing um, doing IPAs, which is probably, I don't know, I, I forget how many we did. I remember um, there was quite a few. There's a lot of IPAs. Um, if you're if, if you're still kind of learning and you're still in a learning curve and you're trying to get your first medal, I strongly don't recommend something uh, <laughs> very heavy like like an IPA category. Yeah. Um, Usually you do a little bit better and um, I won my very first medal ever in a um, with a cream owl and my second yeah. medal came with a porter um, and I was real happy with that. I was actually ecstatic when I got my first medals on those. Um, those are probably better categories. Just some of the things you want to take into consideration when um when uh, brewing styles that aren't as common, 
is a lot of times they will um, clump up styles together. So, um, you know, for example, um, like uh, like American hybrid type beers um, and, and some others, they may clump them in with some alt beers or, or something like that based on how many entries they have. So sometimes some of the entries, they may have too few yeah. where there may only be three. So they're going to group them up with this other style over here that only has three entries and the style over here that only has three entries. And they're going to group them up a little bit more, but you right. still have a much better chance because IPAs are still flooded with just a very majority, you know, a very large amount. Yeah. Uh, another category to kind of stay away is the more advanced, uh, some of the more advanced brews, like like some of the lagers you'll get into. Yeah. Uh, lagering is is very difficult. It's more advanced if you're trying your first one. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to discourage anybody from just entering beers. By all means, if you want some good professional, good feedback on your beers, please Enter your beers no matter what it is, if you just want some feedback. Yeah. So just yep. just uh, to throw another little disclaimer out, this is really steered that's towards a, that person who's looking for that first medal. That's a really good point. Right now we're talking about somebody who wants to medal. Because entering a competition is about getting feedback uh, from BJCP judges about your beer to help you to help you improve it. But we're we're talking right now about trying to get a medal. So that's so, a good point. Yes, it is. And what's going to happen is if you start getting into, uh, you know, some dark lagers or, you know, some styles that are a little more difficult, um, you know, uh, some Pilsners some German Pilsners or whatever. Yeah. Um, they're tough to brew. They take a lot of practice. Uh, the people who usually enter beers in those categories are very, very advanced, very, very experienced brewers who are usually entering beers in those categories. We're looking at you, John Crossett and Robert Jewell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Paul Klamer and, and uh, Alex Buckley and Tim Collins. We're looking at you. Yeah, and I think Scott is looking <laughs> over uh, at the uh, I'm last, looking at the 2016 winners. Yeah. winners. <laughs> yep. um, but if you're listening to West New York Brews, I bet you know who those people are. Exactly. My yeah. first gold came from a um, from an ESB, an English special bitter. All right. Uh, it's a smaller category, but, um, you know, that that was my first gold. I think um, Marcus won that this past year. Yeah, I did not have one last year. So that's a good example. If you're really looking for a medal there, just kind of, you know, stay away from some of those. Yeah. Some of those more popular styles and more advanced styles. No, that makes sense. When it comes to following your guidelines, yeah, this can be this can be hit and miss per competition. Um, everything I think really revolves a lot on you know the the judges, uh, you know how they feel that day, how they woke up, what they had for breakfast. I mean, there's so many things that can you know dictate your scores. But um, one of the things. You know, when when you're making a when you're making a beer and you're making it for competition and you just want to follow a particular style, like say you're you're talking an Irish red. Uh, yeah. Irish reds are real popular um, around competition season, basically because it, it, it's pretty close to uh, St. Patrick's Day. So people yeah. are making their Irish reds. Um, last year there was there was quite a few of them in the competition, but not a ton. Um, it's it's probably a good beer for for somebody to to, to throw in. Um, it's not like overly flooded, like, like an IPA category yeah. or anything, 
But uh, if you think about it, if everybody brewed an Irish red and they aimed for the middle of the style, everyone, think of your judges there and every beer they try one after the other, one after the other, after the other. And every beer was just so close and so the same because every beer was in the middle of style. So sometimes a little something you might want to throw in there is try to hit the edges, the border, the, the limits of your style. Throw something in there that's a little different towards that style that just may all of a sudden the judge just had, you know, he had four Irish reds in a row that just completely tasted the same. And now you just increased the bitterness on one or something, or, or you made something a little extra, a little extra dark, a little extra malty or a little extra Munich or, you know, whatever you decided to do with this one, yeah, uh, just to throw it close to the edge of the style, but not outside. That may be the one that, like just makes the judges go, wow, you know, this is so much better yep. than all four of these. And I just had here and, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that's every time that can happen, but uh, right. I think it's a pretty good strategy. I have um, one that I'm putting in this year. I'm not going to say what it is or where it's going, but um, <laughs> it's got a brewer's, a brewer's best cap on it. <laughs> it's one of the ones uh, brewer's best cap. But uh, that, that'll be going in and it's really pushing the limits of one of the particular styles, uh, you know, just to see how that goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, like I, like I said, it, it's, that's what the competition is a little bit more steered about. That's why some it's, it's competitions aren't for everybody because no. If, if you like to brew beer that you just like to drink and you don't care about what style it is and, and, and that's great. That that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, but the competitions, you know, and you may make a great beer. You make, make like yeah. if they had a competition where the whole idea was to serve your beer to the public. Yeah. Amongst a bunch of other beers and have the yeah. public general public, not judges, just general public, just say, Hey, all right, everybody vote on your favorite beer. You may make that favorite beer, but you know, um, but you, you enter this beer in a BJCP type competition. You may not do so well because it just doesn't fit a style properly. And, and you know, that, that's a different, that's the give or take about the, the the competition. So if I can rephrase that, I'm not, I'm going to say, don't tie your ego into it too much because we're, we're going on a specific set of guidelines, not on whether it's good or bad, but on, on how well it fits into a style category. Is that fair to say it like that? I think it's very fair. And, um, and if you enter your beer and, and if you really want good feedback in your beer, it's recommended. And I recommend it to enter it in multiple competitions. Cause like I, I just said a little while ago, that particular day, you know, take, take your score with a grain and salt. It's, it's, it's all in fun. Um, you just, and it's all about how, you know, a judge perceives the beer and not everybody yeah. perceives it the same way. They're not going to perceive it this way you perceive it. it and he's not gonna, he's not going to perceive it the way the judge in front of him does. Um, and the judge may, you know, um, you just may have a beer that scores a 28 and one competition and I, I've had it happen myself. And in the next competition, you, you get a gold medal for it. Um, yeah. it does happen. So, um, if you really want some, some feedback and try for that medal, both 
enter in multiple competitions. Yeah. Good idea. All right. I'm announcing the official West New York Brews competition. You send it to me. I guarantee a gold medal. Uh, send it to me. I will give you the certificate. <laughs> send me your homebrew. Uh, contact me at scott at wnybrews.com. I'll tell you where to send your beer. I will send you a gold medal if that's what you, <laughs> if that's what you're looking for. Uh, so yeah, thank you for thank you for talking. I appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. It's it's definitely a pleasure to be on the show. I, I love listening to this podcast. Thank you. So thank you for listening and thank you to uh, Bill Sarowski for joining me again. I love talking to Bill about beer. Uh, so expect to hear more from him for sure. Uh, and thank you for listening. You can find us at WNYBrews.com. It's WNY.beer. We'll take you there as well. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on all those places, on on YouTube, forward slash uh, Brews, Facebook, forward slash Brews, on Twitter, at WNY Brews. And thank you for listening. I will see you on episode 42. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I'm, i got to plan something big for episode 42. It's the answer to life, the universe, and everything. So once again, here is the Rearview Ramblers with You Can't Buy Beer With Condolences off of their EP, Buffalo Americana. And I will see you on 42. Thank you. Hey.